0: Hey, Bob here, and welcome back to the Your Virtual Upline podcast, where we give network marketers the mindset, strategies, and skills that you need to build the business and life of your dreams. Hey, everybody, Bob here, Your Virtual Upline. Welcome to the Your Virtual Upline podcast, episode 232. I can't believe it's taken us this long to do this, but we're going to be doing a podcast takeover of sorts, and as you can hear, I've got a special guest with me today, our very own director of coaching, Megan Weisheipel, but Megan is much more than just our director of coaching. She's actually a very close personal friend of mine, and uh, her and I share an interesting journey together. She's been in pretty much every downline that I've ever had in all my network marketing companies, and we were two people that met early in our lives, that had this dream this belief that we were going to do something special one day and we thought each one of the network marketing businesses was going to be that thing but unfortunately it wasn't little did we know that we were being redirected to something bigger and better than we could ever imagine and that's the work we do together today so Megan is really an inter- integral part of our business she's really the head of our our student progress and all and she does a lot of the coaching that our students get access to. She under, you know, she and I work together on creating all the content, so she knows this stuff inside and out. A lot of what we teach today has been influenced by her as well. And, um, you know, I I'll just state the obvious. She's a woman, so she can connect <laughs> with. Obvious. You know, a, we have mostly female audience, so she can add an additional element to our business that I just for just obvious reasons can't provide. But, but she had an interesting idea. She said, "Hey." I want to put you on the hot seat for a change and, you know, so to speak. And uh, she's going to ask me questions. And we thought this would be kind of a cool thing to do for all of you that are listeners. And you just hear me showing up every episode teaching and training you. We thought maybe it'd be cool to pull the curtain back and Mm -hmm. kind of have you get you a better understanding of our journey and kind of what got me to where I am today. And Megan obviously knows things about me that I wouldn't want most people to know. And hopefully that's not in the list of questions but we'll see how it goes. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I have to admit I'm a little nervous, but uh, but yeah, so I want to introduce all of you to Megan.
1: Well, uh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so, so much, so much for this, Bob, because I listened to, I've been following you for now 20 years. <laughs> I have the wow. longest history because people always say, how long you've been following Bob? Well, I win. <laughs> I win that race. So it's been 20 years in the making to get us to this point, which really still feels like the beginning of the journey of what we're creating here. But for everybody that's been following him, you see what he's doing now. You know Love Serve Grow and the podcast and Clubhouse and LLA, Legacy Leadership Academy, Next Level Leadership. You see all of this now. But there was a behind the scenes that got it to here. And that's what I wanted to do. I want to let all of you in on you know, what got Bob to this point? What made him your virtual upline? And it hasn't always been easy when you see him or you hear him having these conversations with people and dropping these golden nuggets. And I hear so many people that are like, I took 16 pages of notes, like everything you said was gold, but it always hasn't been that way because I don't know if everybody knows like his biggest fear when he was a kid was public speaking. <laughs> now, The line I heard him say today, though, was, I don't call myself a motivational speaker. What do you call yourself? A wake-up call. A wake-up call. (laughs) (laughs) So what I want to do is I want to take you on a journey. I'm going to hit the rewind button, and we're going to go backwards to the very beginning. So the first question that I have for you, Bob, is where were you at in the stage of life when you were introduced to network marketing, and what piqued your interest with it? What excited you about the opportunity of network marketing?
0: Yeah, I was uh, I was fresh out of college. I mean, I was literally I I first so, so funny story. I, I got introduced to network marketing in college from my college girlfriend that took me to an Amway meeting. <laughs> okay. So most of you probably would not have gone through this experience, but Amway, w- which is one of the first network marketing companies all t- ever, had such a bad reputation that it got just um, just through people like being against it. That they you literally couldn't tell people what it was. And I can remember my girlfriend literally being so excited. She called me up. She's like, You have to come to this thing. I just saw this thing. And she's like, I, I need you to bring, she she, she like legit said, I wanna bring you to a meeting, but I can't tell you what it is. You'll just, when you get there, you'll figure it out. And me, I'm just like, you know, it's my girlfriend. I'm like, seem kind of shady, but I'm like, all right, let's go. And <laughs> And I remember we went to a meeting. I sat in an Amway presentation. I'd never heard of Amway. I'd never heard of network marketing. And I just remember I was like, "This is so cool! Like this is awesome! Like I just, I just fell in love with the this this promise of being able to to build a a business and be free and be a leader and help people and and I joined and I did. Join Amway? I did join Amway. I I came. So I came home from school one summer. This is so here's funny, you know, we talk about how being coachable is so important in the profession. Like this is literally I, you know, nobody ever taught me about being coachable. I just I always feel like this has been one of my best qualities. This is what I did. So Amway, you did it in home meetings. Mm-hmm. And my our upline that was coming to do the meeting lived in upstate New York. and I was in Philadelphia or New Jersey. So it was like a four hour drive. So I felt this intense pressure knowing that this guy and his wife were gonna come to my house to do a meeting for my friends. And I was so stressed out about people showing up. I remember sitting at my little like grade school computer desk in my you know ten by ten room that I grew up in with a stack of note cards. And I called up my sponsor on the phone, landline phone, right? This is literally like dial-up internet days. And I said, okay, I made my list. I'm going to call people. I'm going to start inviting. And I'm like, what should I say? And he started just saying, "Like," and I said, no, 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 no. no." I said, like, legitimately tell me word for word what I need to say. And I sat there and I wrote on six by nine note cards my script. And I was like, okay, I'll let you know when I'm done. And I literally just started calling up people. I love it. Using the script, flipping through the note cards, fumbling through it. I was scared to death and people showed up. I think I, I think I had like 10 people come to my first home meeting, you know, a couple of people signed up. I was so excited. I thought I was going to be rich. I was
1: like, my parents
0: did not join, (laughs) but I was out of my mind, excited. I remember going back to school telling a couple of friends and then just being like, you know, an irresponsible college student and 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 nothing ever. I think I went to like a national conference for Amway, but that was my first exposure to okay. network marketing. And I graduated college. And then that's when like a year out of college, I was introduced to the company that we, yep. ACN, that we got involved in together. And I was just somebody that, you know, I always knew for me, I always felt like, I talk about this a lot. Like I always believed that there was like something important I was supposed to do which was always strange because I had this belief, but there was no visible evidence of that in my life. Right, I was like a C student. I was like average at most of the things that I ever did, but I but just believe like I was supposed to do something special. And that's why I was attracted to network marketing. I just knew that like working for someone else was never going to give me what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why I, I you know was first attracted to it was at first it was the money, right? Before I understood that it's actually not the money that we're after. Now there's nothing wrong with money. But that was what attracted to me at first. But I think what really kept me around was the sense of purpose that I got in in the meat, like the work that we were doing. Like we really were doing something that was impacting people's lives. Awesome. Yeah.
1: So then you move into another company and you've said this a lot, but talk about your first year when you really dove into the second company. You didn't recruit a single person your first year.
0: In the first company.
1: Oh, and well, Amway.
0: I don't count Amway. I okay, mean, I technically, <laughs> I guess Amway is the first company, but that was like a, you know. a. a, that's like a, a co- blip on the radar. Was, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So your first year, the truly giving an effort into network marketing, you didn't recruit a single person. Mm-hmm. Talk about what that experience was like and what did you learn in those early days?
0: Yeah, so I, you know, that first company that we were a part of, I struggled a lot the first year. And I think it was because I came into network marketing from a like a traditional sales background. So I had sales, tr- you know, corporate sales training. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I remember going to my first training, and they were like, you know, go to your friends and family, ask them to do you a favor, leverage the relationship. And I was like, that feels like something I don't want to do. So I just approached network marketing like I did my sales job. I became an expert. I learned everything I could about it. I tried to sell and convince people. I went to all my broke family and friends that kept telling me they wanted something and I gave it to them. And to my shock, they were not so positive on it. And so my first year, I really, I resisted the process. I kind of wanted to do things my own way. Part of that was ego. Part of it, I think, was really just fear. But I struggled that first year. But I never quit and I showed up. I mean, I was at every meeting. I was on every call. I was kind of tricking myself like in doing those things because I know a lot of you can probably relate. Like sometimes we consume training and and uh as a way to avoid doing the stuff that Mm -hmm. we really know we should be doing and i did a lot of that in the first year but i share like i always share that part of my story because it's like one of the things i'm most proud of is that i just didn't quit yeah because i had every reason in the world to quit i should have quit but i didn't and i think it's because like you know i just had this dream that was like in my mind and in my heart that i didn't want to say no to and um and that's why i kept going
1: so funny that you say dreams so When we first met, so I always, or I always share this in the coaching that I do, that Bob and I met on a three-way call. Like (laughs) literally, he was the expert on a call. He had lunch with a mutual friend. My girlfriend was there with him. She called me and she was so excited, called my landline as well in my apartment, calls me, Megan, you got to talk to this guy, Bob, he is an expert. We're going to be rich. It's going (laughs) to be amazing. I'm like, what did you just drink for lunch? And she gets me on the phone with Bob and he tells me all about this opportunity and you invite me out to an event that was happening. And I remember walking into that event, all these guys in suits (laughs) show up. And what I learned at that event, because I was in right away, I joined right after that, you became my upline and then we were kind of inseparable because I just wanted to learn everything. But here's what it was. You And that opportunity or just being in that room, it taught me how to dream. Like up until that point, I lived this life that my parents had told me that I was supposed to, you go to college, you get the good job, you work really hard. Like that's the path that I was on and thought that I was supposed to be on. But it being in that room, with everybody and learning from you, like you introduced me to books Mm. that I didn't understand. I remember if you told me to read it, you told me to say, it, I did it. Like whatever you told me to do, I just did. But it was the think and grow rich, the um, rich dad, poor dad, like you would always tell me to read a book, but that's what expanded my mind. And that's what network marketing did for me, was it just gave me hope and gave me a dream of something different.
0: Yeah, and that's such an important part of it because I talk a lot about how I believe like what we do, it's it's a personal development program with a compensation plan attached to it. So it's like the more that you're willing to work on yourself and grow and become better, you start to attract those early results. And that was the, that was that journey that we were both on. And, and I've just always been like, I've just been like a passionate learner. Now that was partially to a fault. Cause I think sometimes You know, we're so quick to want to learn and consume, we can't recognize that sometimes that's a pattern that's based out of fear where we're avoiding doing the things that we need to do. So it's like learning is only as good as the application of the knowledge, Mm -hmm. and and I probably felt victim of that. But, But that's one of the things I'm most grateful for is you hear people talk about it all the time, and our earliest mentors used to say this, where, you know, it's the person you become. The person you become in the pursuit of your dreams and your goals is the best reward. And when I was broke, I would be like, okay, like, yeah, sounds nice. Because like, that's not what I wanted to hear. I just wanted the money. I just wanted to be, not have to worry about paying my bills. And, um, but it's true, you know, it really is as you, as you sit here looking back at your career, once you have the success and the stuff that you always wanted, that really is the thing that you're most grateful for is the thing that I'm most grateful for today is like the dad that I am to my two boys Mm. and the husband that I am. And, you know, my ability to, you know, we're, we just went through quite a year last year with COVID and everything. And just to have the mental tools to be able to navigate situations and circumstances like that, I I wouldn't be the way I am today had I not been introduced to this profession, you know?
1: Mm, That's powerful. So now we're going to fast forward a little bit. Okay. So life kind of continued on. We, I got out of network marketing, graduated college, moved away. You had your own life. We kind of went eight years without really speaking. And social media wasn't as big then. Mm-hmm. So we, we kept in contact, but not so much. But then you got involved in another company. You found your way back into network marketing the second time or kind of the third time. Huh. And here's what I want to tell everybody. He was reaching out to me. Like I was on Bob's list. We obviously have a history. We were friends. And I was on his list and he reached out to me and I ignored him because I had a good corporate job. I had had the office. I was working 60, 70 hours a week. And why would I need network marketing was literally my mindset. And every time it was always on LinkedIn too. When he always talks about LinkedIn, like that was his, that was his recruiting tool. But he reached out on LinkedIn and you didn't do it always right. Because remember the first time you reached out to me, it was a long spiel. Yeah, yeah. It was how good he was doing, and you yeah. have to see this company. If you thought the other one was good, that's yeah. nothing compared to this one. Like he didn't do it right.
0: Yeah, every, pretty much everything I teach you not to do today is what I did <laughs> in the early days when so I, I didn't know any better. Like I just I basically gave Megan an entire presentation in a message, um, <laughs> which understandably and rightfully so you did not respond to. But it was it was all. I mean, I think it was almost three years to the day that I sent that first message that I sent the second message, which is what I'm sure you'll talk about. Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. So three years to the day, he... So
0: you said you were good, ignored me. I
1: ignored him. I didn't even respond.
0: Yeah. I had just gotten... So just to set the context, I, that first company, well, I call it the real first company. Amway, I don't, you know, after about five years, I got to a point where I just wasn't having success. I mean, I was making a little bit of money. I was what I would, you know, what we call an accidental leader. I was making just enough to like keep me around but I wasn't seeing any progress. And I literally got to a point where I just got so frustrated. I'm like, I don't think this is ever going to work for me. And I had all these family and friends that were in my year. I think people can appreciate this. I had at that point, I, I was like full-time in my business. And full time was me living on a friend's couch, driving a car that barely that I was. Every time I got in it, I was worried about whether it was going to even start. <laughs> I and I was that was me full time standing in front of the room, giving presentations, saying, "Hey, join this amazing opportunity; you can become wealthy." And then literally sneaking out of the meetings to go get in my car and hope that nobody sees me drive home.
1: Didn't you used to park like down the street from meetings, so nobody? Could I would see
0: park you? around the corner. I would park <laughs> around the block. One there was one time, so we we were in a company that was like really old school. And social media wasn't really a thing that at that point. So we did all like in-home presentations. And I can remember one time, okay, so embarrassing. It was, I was driving to a meeting and I'm in my, if you're wondering, a nine, it was a 1993 Mitsubishi Eclipse, two-tone, black and rust, which in 93 was, was kind of a cool car. Yeah. Like my mom had one and I remember thinking that was pretty cool, but it was like over 10 years later and it was a little less cool at that point. It certainly wasn't cool for me to have it. And I remember driving to this meeting in the suburbs home presentation and the house was like on the corner and there was like no other houses. It was like in a new development and there was no other houses that I could like, you know, park by and be like, oh, I parked at the wrong house. So like I was driving by and legitimately the guy who was hosting the meeting was standing in the front yard and saw me and waved to me. Now I'm in my car and I'm like, all right, I, you know, I'm driving by his house. And he's like, "Where's he going?" And I'm like, "Oh!" Geez. So I pulled around. I pulled up. He comes and he walks out. Gets me out of the car. And um, I'm like, "All right, this guy's gonna quit." Because I'm like, <laughs> you know, and 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 he, you know, he he's like, "Oh, it's, you know, so is this." Uh, it's your car. Well, like, this is what yeah. I'm working towards. And right? I was like, "All right, this guy's as good as gone. I might as well just drive <laughs> home." But that, you know, that was the that was the deal. And but
1: I will say this: you were always sharply dressed. Oh yeah, you I looked great. All your money, like you even had yeah. monogram. I had the
0: monogram shirts. I mean, every honestly, everything I hate about network marketing today is like what I was like, fake it till you make it, which is like such bad advice. It, but it's like motto. go spend money you don't have to to put on a front that you really aren't to impress people that probably don't really care. Like that was the trap that I that I was in. But I got to a point where so many of my family and friends were like, "Look, what are you doing? Like, you know, you're a talented guy. You've got a lot of potential. You should be doing more. Why are you wasting your time?" I heard that for 5 years. And eventually I started listening. Mm-hmm. And I said, "I'm going to get a job." And and I and I essentially quit I didn't, there was nothing to quit because it was barely a team, a business at that point. And I got a job as a plastic salesperson <laughs> for a company called Kerbel. I got literally got any sales job that they would get because, you know, you have four years in your resume where you did nothing really, as far as they're concerned. So I wasn't getting any kind of good job. I so got you a,
1: left college and had a blank for four years. Yeah,
0: I had a job out of college with qu- qu- quit that, did network marketing, got a job as a plastic salesman, which was literally like it was like, you know, I lived the movie, the office every day. I mean, it was <laughs> miserable. And I did that for two years. And then I eventually getting I got a decent job as a medical salesperson, and that was when I got back into network marketing. Yeah. I said I'd never do it again. Until I did it again.
1: Yep. now, so what piqued your interest the second time? Well,
0: I, quite frankly, I was getting, I was finding what I was doing really unfulfilling. I love the steady paycheck. And that 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 for a while was good because I never had that with network marketing. But I remember getting to a point in my medical sales job where I actually was making six figures. I made six figures one year. And I thought I was like, this is, I'm like, oh my God, like my life is set. And then I realized I'm like, like, you know, where's all my money going? You know, it's like taxes and this and that. And, and, and it's like, I, I just, I'm like, I'm realizing what I thought I wanted is not really what I wanted. Cause I felt like really unfulfilled and there was like something missing and doing what I was doing, wasn't giving that to me. And it was like that entrepreneurial, like flame that mm-hmm. was like burning in me. And, and even though I swore, I said, I'd never do it again. I got introduced to that other company. It's a uh, North American power that's no longer in business. And I joked about this the other day. This would probably be funny. So my friend, Dan, who introduced me to that company. This is like legitimately how he tried to recruit me. I thought he was like messing around but now I know he just really He goes, "Hey man, so I like I know you do those like pyramid things and like I just signed up into one. They do energy and it looks pretty good. Like can we get together and maybe you can help me figure this out?" That was literally his his prospecting to me. And I I was thought it
1: prospecting though or was he trying to prospect you or he just No, really he looked, no,
0: we sat down and he said, "Okay, so I have this presentation. Maybe you can figure this out." And I literally sat there and gave, like figured out his presentation. He was supposed to get. Like that was how I got into the company. But I was like, I just was like, I'm going to just do it. Like I know how to do it. I got nothing to lose. I had everything to gain. It'd be something for me to do. And that was how I got back into it. And that was when I reached out to you. I didn't know any better. I was social media was now a thing. I was using it completely the wrong way. I was just spamming people and messaging them. And I sent you that message. You didn't answer three years later. I had created this tremendous success in that company mm-hmm. that I always wanted and I never thought I'd have. And that was when I just felt like I'm, you know, you were living in Ohio. We hadn't talked in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let me just, I just want to message Megan one more time. But this time I did it the right way. I didn't send you a scripted sales pitch. I just was like, I've been thinking about you. Yep. I just wanted to reconnect and say hi. You know, things are going really well. I want to see how you were. Like that was, we just left it at that.
1: No, it was. And I actually know exactly what it was because it's still saved on my LinkedIn. (laughs) Yeah. You just said, hey, buddy, it's been a while. Like that's exactly what it said. But on the flip side of it, where I was at in my life, like I said, I had this big corporate job. I was doing really what I thought was really well, making six figures, life's going good. I got married. But what had just happened that second time when I got the short message was literally a few days before that, I had had my best month ever as a manager and thinking I was getting manager of the quarter, everything's going good, I'm waiting on this big phone call. And instead of getting a congratulations from my boss, I got a, we're gonna restructure the office. I didn't lose my job, they were just cutting my pay. And he literally said to me, the owner of the company said, if they don't cut my pay, they're cutting his. So they Mm. cut my pay. So I remember sitting there and I was so upset. And that night I went home and I prayed and I just said, God, give me a sign. Like, what am I supposed to do? And the next morning was the, hey, buddy, how you been? And I was like, there's my sign. And interesting enough, I've been following you on LinkedIn. So I knew what you were doing. I saw it. I had already gone on. I had read about North American Power and I just messaged him back. Actually, I'm pretty sure what I messaged back was, why the hell did you reach out to me? <laughs> yeah,
0: you did. You're like, why did you reach out to me? Something like that. And I got really scared. I was he like, goes, oh, I'm so no. sorry.
1: And I said, nope, it was the right time. Like, you knew it. And I think the next week we had Because
0: you had just come back, not you were back for what, a couple years at that point in, yeah. in PA. And um, we hadn't reconnected at that point. And I so, remember meeting at the Plymouth Meeting Mall, yep. having lunch.
1: We had lunch. I
0: was so excited, but I was so nervous because I was like, man, I really. I hope Megan sees this, I want her to join my team. And it was like all the stars just like aligned. So
1: what was crazy for me when we rejoined back up, so prior, like in the previous company, like you were good, but now you were the man. Like in that company, you had got to the top and you were the man. It's like when we go to conference, like everyone, like he is now, everyone wanted to hear Bob Heilig speak. And when he's telling me this, I'm like laughing at him. I'm like, "What are you talking about? Like <laughs> how did you do that? Like that's not the Bob that I knew before. Like how did you get to this spot?" Yeah. So what was that experience like for you in NAP to get to the top, to be the man to create that team? Like what was that like?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest shift that I made is I well, number one, I was more mature. I I, <laughs> I you know, I'm I would argue that I'm really mature even now, but I had matured a little bit more. And I think I learned a lot just about treating it like a business. But for me, it was really, it was that underlying belief that I talk about all the time. I, fresh out of college, I really lacked that in myself. I had never really accomplished anything in my life. And I and I wasn't sure whether I ever could, even though I wanted to. And when I got when I got out of network marketing, I got into corporate sales, I actually I, you know, I, I was able to build a career for myself. So I I had the foundation of belief to know that I could do something successfully. And that really was the seed where I said, okay, so what if I take what I've learned in my past through my failures and the belief that I have in myself and have that become the foundation from which I build? And and I just started focusing on different things. I had a better idea of what not to do. I think we talk (laughs) about the gift of failure. Like Those are the lessons that we learn. I. You know, I, I have the success that I have today because I failed so much and I've learned so much. And I started looking at failure differently. Like when I used to fail in that first company, it used to cripple me because mm-hmm. I attached myself to the failures. And looking back, having perspective, I realized that those failures actually helped me become a better person, which contributed to me having success in this next phase of my life. So I started to understand, well, maybe failure is not a bad thing. Maybe I just need mm-hmm. to change the way that I look at it. And in that second go around, understanding that and really understanding more what it means to be a leader, because I wasn't a leader in that first go around, like the way I needed to be. Those little things, I think, contributed to me being able to create something different. And um, and it was just, you know, a combination of all that stuff.
1: It was a really, really fun to see you in your element in doing what you did in that company, but then it came and there was a major letdown. Because I don't know if everybody knows this, that you were up there for a meeting, right? You were in Connecticut, you were at the headquarters for a meeting thinking he's going in and gonna talk about with the owner of the company and the owner of the company comes in and says that they are closing the doors. And I remember you calling me on the way back from that, like, hey, the company's closed. And you're just like, what? Like, y- yeah. what, what do you mean, like for the weekend? <laughs> like, what? Yeah. So talk about that a little bit of like how you had to really shift because I'm sure you saw this as your future. This is where it's going. I think you recently got engaged to Shannon at that point, And then it comes to an abrupt end.
0: Yeah, it was January eighth, two thousand fifteen, <laughs> the day that lives in infamy. I was at the top of the world with this company, you know, one of their top reps. I was actually a consultant to the company, where, you know, I was helping design the training, and um, I was in the office for a our first quarterly planning meeting, and there was about a half dozen of us, VP of sales marketing director, we were sitting in a room and we we're a meeting was supposed to start at nine o'clock and it no and our the people that should have been there weren't which was really weird. And then it was like nine fifteen and people are in like, you know, in the office like people were being weird to us. And I kind of sensed that. And and all of a sudden, one by one they started to pull us into the CEO's office Ugh. and literally just said point blank, you know, we're really sorry to say this, but we're shutting down the network. And I just remember like kind of having one of those out-of-body out of experiences where you're like, is this really happening to me? And, um, and I remember driving home and uh, first called Shannon. First thing I do is call Shannon. I, and, you know, there's a really, so there's a really important lesson, I think that, and I was just talking about this yesterday. I think we go through things in our life that at the time they feel like they're the end of the world. And I think we have a choice that we make is we go through these setbacks and these challenges and The choice is that you either become bitter or you become better. You hold on to that failure in a resentful way, focusing on, you know, why did this happen to me? Or your perspective shifts to why is this happening for me? Mm What is what? There's a reason why this has happened. And I may not understand it. I may not like it. But it's because I don't know the whole plan yet. And I have a choice. How do I want to respond to it? And there were a lot of people that were in that company, close friends of mine, family, that chose bitter, that chose to be resentful, that you know lived it with the story of why did this happen to me? And I just chose a different story. Like I legitimately remember calling up Shannon and saying, listen, it's going to be okay. I don't know how it's going to be okay, but I just believe it's going to be okay. I had faith. And I didn't know what the next step was, but I really focused on what do I need to do next? And I called you. I called a couple of other people. I said, hey, you know, here's what's happening. We're gonna get together. We're gonna talk about it. And then I started calling people that I knew in the profession. Mm -hmm. Called John and John Milton. I said, hey man, we need to talk. I need to figure out my next move. I didn't want to rush into anything, but I just knew that there was there was something next for me. And my focus, you know, maybe this wasn't like Maybe I didn't allow myself to grieve enough in the moment. Shannon's always like telling me, you're so positive. You're always, you know, like what's next. But I literally just focused on what's that next move. And I started focusing on the future. And I started, and I just started having faith that, that, that there was a bigger reason why this was happening. And, you know, looking back, it's clear to me that that was what's happening. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the thing is, I never would have gotten past that failure had I not chosen better instead of better. And it, look, there's a lot that I learned in that. I had to really reinvent myself because I think I took that experience and I said, okay, what do I need to do differently the next time? And one of the things that I knew I needed to do differently was in that company, I was an infomercial for the company.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: My brand was the company, yes, right? And I said, okay, so I can see how that's not a smart thing to do anymore. So, the lesson that I learned was I needed to learn some new skills. I need to learn how to market myself better. I need to learn how to, you know, embrace this thing called social media that I was fighting at my friends John and Nadia Milton for a year were hounding me. You need to do videos. You should be on social media. You need the world needs to know. Nadia always you say, the world needs to know who Bob Heilig is. And I'm just like, you're crazy. I'm like, I'm not doing videos.
1: Also now she's right. You yeah. That, and Nadia? I didn't I didn't need to
0: do videos. But then here I was and I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is a sign. Maybe this is just the next phase of my, maybe I'm being rejected from something good to be redirected to something even better. And, you know, a lot of that has to has to go into my faith and just believing that God has a plan for my life. And, you know, at times, you know, it's easy to trust God in the light, but can you trust him in the dark? Mm-hmm. You know, that's when the real practice of faith starts showing up. And But that was a pivotal moment for me in terms of like, that was the first step that directed me on the course that we're on today.
1: Oh, that's powerful. Yeah, I remember that phone call, I was sitting at my office and I was, in my mind, I was about, I don't know, six months to a year away from walking away from my job and going full-time into network marketing. That's where my vision was going, that's where I wanted to be. And that phone call, and I remember saying to you on there, I was like, whatever company you go to next, I'm with you. And you're like, thank you so much. Like, I didn't even care what the products were, it wasn't about that, it was just because we're a team. I'm like, this, this goes together. It's a package deal. And so let's fast forward a little bit more there because then there was another company that was short-lived in there. But then you found Periscope and then you went on to doing um, six months of just going live and talking.
0: Well, let's not skip over what happened. So I chose another company and then things are great for seven months. And then in August of 2016... 2015, that company got shut down by the Federal Trade Commission. Yep. (laughs) Like storm, like I'm going to like storm the office, seize the computers, like just a witch hunt against the profession. It was
1: almost comical the second time around. You're like, well,
0: it was yeah, comical for you, but not so much for me. But, (laughs) you know, literally was like, what, like, are you kidding me? And so I'm, I'm 40 years old. Engaged to Shannon at that point. We're scheduled to be married in December. And God only knows what she was thinking. I mean, she's like, you know, I hitched my wagon to this guy and it's like, what, like what's happening here? But I mean, she never wavered. She was always there. My biggest supporter. But there I was. And what's interesting was talk about like divine timing and things happen for a reason. I'd still been dragging my feet with the whole video thing and I'd been doing a lot of research and how many of you can relate? I've been buying the courses and I did the training. I was getting ready to get ready, but I hadn't started at that point. Literally a week prior, okay, a week prior to this company getting shut down, I attended my first ever marketing conference. And in that conference, I made a commitment. I said, I am gonna, I said, Monday morning, when I get home, I am gonna go because people were talking about Periscope. They're like, live video. And I'm like, "What do what's live video? I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, look. And I'm like, holy crap, like this, like literally there's somebody live on their phone and you can get on. And I'm like, this is really cool. And I'm like, all right. So I mean, you know how we well, we always say we're going to do things at conferences. I'm like, I'm going to go home on Monday and I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do my first video. And I did it. And a couple of days later, that's when that company got shut down. So it literally was like timing. I'm like, okay, now this, if I've ever had The reason to really go all in with this, this is it, because I literally had nothing else. And that's when I committed. I did a video every day for six months, 8 a.m., woke up, got on Periscope, scared out of my mind, not knowing what to do, just started talking. And at the time, I was practicing Love, Serve, Grow, but I I didn't know it. I didn't have a name for it. I was just, every morning I would sit there and I would talk to myself, Bob, you can do this. It's not about you. Just show up, teach what you've learned, focus on helping people. If you help enough people, you'll get better. You'll eventually have what you want. And I just kept saying that to myself every day and and showing up from that place. How
1: many people did you have on when you first started doing those?
0: So I had five people on my first video. Um, I can like distinctly remember it was like 90 days until I had 20 people on a, on a video. So imagine that, doing something for 90 days And and not consistently, yeah, um, Monday through Friday. And I remember the first time I had twenty people, I was freaking out (laughs) because now you start getting in your head, and you're like, you want more people until you have them, and then you're like, oh my god, like there's a lot of people that are watching me right now, and how do I look, and am I moving my mouth funny, and am I what am I saying, and you know, am I slouching, and it's like you're so in your head, and but I just did that, and eventually, what started to happen was I started to grow and get better and build relationships with people. And, and people started literally messaging me. And you know, this is how, this is how little I was focused on the making money side of this in the beginning, which is not probably the best thing. People would reach out to me and say, Hey, like, do you have anything I could buy? Cause I love your stuff. My answer for like two months was no. My wife was like, um, do you think <laughs> like, should you maybe like, come up with something to sell them like we're kind of trying to make money here and let's and I get doing the free stuff and I'm all for it but at some point we got to make money right I could barely buy our Christmas present that year and I was like okay you're right babe so I started doing coaching and people were bought, bought the coaching and then in January that year I did a webinar and it just exploded oh, I mean exploded I mean we made in our first year you know just to just to put it in perspective I mean it's not about the money but you know, we made a million dollars our first year in 2016.
1: But like, think about this. 2015, he just said, couldn't buy his wife or fiance, the time.
0: Couldn't buy her. Couldn't, couldn't even afford a Christmas present.
1: Get a Christmas present yeah. and made a million dollars the next year. Yeah.
0: So people hear that story and they're like, oh my God, dude, like you did that fast. And I'm like, not really. <laughs> I'm like, it took me 15 years to get to that point. Yep. It started with Amway and then it went to ACN. And then I went to North America. then my medical sales career, then I went to North American power. Like it was like every single step was just a chapter in a bigger story. And I was in the middle of the chapters and I didn't realize that there was, I was writing a book mm-hmm. that had a different, that had an ending that I desired. But I think the secret was, is I didn't stop as I just kept moving forward, but it was like everything that I did. And, and the thing that I think is I, I'm not afraid to fail. Like I, today I embrace it. I always want to do things. I want to try new things. I want to reinvent myself. I want to be afraid because I'm not afraid doing what I'm doing. Then I'm getting comfortable. I'm not learning. I'm not growing. And I think that's why we had success so quickly is I did a webinar. I'd never done a webinar before. I made a course. I never done a course. I did an event. I never had an event. I sold a mastermind. I never sold a mastermind. I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. Practicing the same philosophy, trying to help people, showing up authentically, pouring my heart and soul into everything that I did, having faith that it
1: would work out. So here's something I just heard you say in there was for so long, you always prepared to get ready to get ready, right? You're always preparing. And we see so many people are doing that. I'm taking the courses. I'm doing it. But in the year that you made a million dollars— you just did and you learned by the doing you weren't le- like you were prepared yeah. but i remember with that first webinar you're like i was putting the slides together like an hour before yeah <laughs> the
0: webinar. filling out named i mean i was literally the only person in my business i had nobody working for me i had no virtual assistant i was at my I, my first event it was in philadelphia airport in uh like july of 2016 I rented a ballroom in the Hilton, right? That was like $15,000. I put up $15,000 for something I didn't even know people were going to buy tickets for. And I was literally, we had 150 people show up, right? I was still filling out the name tags when people started coming up to registration. (laughs) One of the attendees, Michelle, she was my first employee. She came up and she just started helping. She was an attendee. She's like, hey, do you need help? Like, I'll help you. And she just jumped in and I'm like, and that was my first employee. She literally, after that event, I just started paying <laughs> like, her. I just started paying her to do the things that I didn't want to do anymore. But, you know, once again, that's that's the demonstration of faith. Like, Like, are you imagining that thing? Do you have the confidence to know that if you put yourself in a situation that you can figure it out? And even if you don't figure it out in the moment, that it will help you grow and become better. And that was the thing, my learning, my growth curve was accelerated so much because I literally just threw myself every Mm -hmm. day into doing things that scared to death out of me, but helped me grow and learn so much faster than most other people who would learn something and then figure it out and wait and perfect it and learn and learn and learn. And I spent, that was my lesson. As I spent my first five years of my entrepreneurial journey doing that. I started learning less and doing more. What's interesting is the less that I tried to learn and the more that I did, the more I actually learned. Mm, that's because awesome. that's where the real wisdom comes through is through the execution of what of actually you're actually doing it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Okay. So now where, when you're doing this journey, you have this big year. Where did the vision of LLA come in?
0: So LLA didn't come around until about our third year of business. So my first couple of years, we were doing courses, events, a mastermind, I didn't, I was all over the place. I was teaching personal branding, social media. Like I was just trying to throwing everything against the wall, figuring out what did people want to buy? What did they want from me? And I got to a point where I really started, if I'm honest, I started losing my passion around the business because I was like teaching people a bunch of stuff that I knew they wanted Facebook, this, that, and like what everybody else was doing but I wasn't, it wasn't feeling fulfilled. And part of the reason why I wasn't feeling fulfilled is because I would had all these people that were buying stuff for me. It was making me money, but I wasn't changing their life Mm. because I wasn't actually giving them what they really needed. I was giving them what they wanted. So I had this kind of moment where I'm like, if I'm going to continue to do this, I have to figure out how to create a business that's more aligned with what's important to me and figure out what do people actually need so I can help them. Because I know that my business would not have staying power unless I'm actually helping other people create results. And so I, I really wanted to search for something that could could really communicate to other people how I feel differently about this profession. Because you and I came up in a, in a company that's everything that I hate about the profession today, quite <laughs> frankly. And look, I, I am thankful for that experience because we met some great people. I learned a lot of great things. But just in terms of the way that they approach the business, it's not what it's about. It's that sales mindset, right? You know, fake it till you make it kind of stuff, scarcity. And- I started to discover that there was a different and a better way. And I did that by accident through teaching some things. I started to realize how belief was such a thing that was missing from most of the training out there. I started obsessing over the psychology of success for my own benefit. And I saw growth within myself. And I started asking myself, well, how could I package all these great things that I'm learning in terms of building a real business and leadership and belief? How could I package it in a way that I could give it to other people and make it make it doable so they could see results? And that was like the first iteration of LLA is you know this idea of legacy leadership and using network marketing for something that's way more important and meaningful than just making money. Yes, we want to make money, but the money is only as good as what you do with it and the person that you are in the process of getting it. And people started really flocking to that idea of being more values-driven. And you know we were clear on what was important to us: faith, family, freedom. People resonated with that and they started joining the program. But I. Really didn't have I didn't have any idea how to like structure a membership or a learning program that it was really overwhelming. You know, it was great content, but every single so you imagine this for three years, every month we created a new training, 36 trainings. That That's so when you joined, it was just all there, no rhyme or reason. And it was like people would join and they'd just be like
1: fire hose. Uh,
0: like, what uh <laughs> I don't know what to do. And 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 so over time I started understanding that more is not always better and that we started slowly but surely trimming and changing and refining. And then about a year ago is when we really started to get clarity. You, you were working with the company and we we're like, all right, we're missing something here. There's a part of our message that if you're a student of ours, you get, but we're not doing a good enough job telling our story to the world. And that was when we started to realize, like our brand, our message of our company is not legacy leadership; it's love, serve, grow. It's what that could, what that represents for people. And about a year ago, we shifted big time and changing a lot of stuff. And you know, you can attest to this, like the the amount of people's lives that we've changed in the last, even the last six months. This year, it's been more than we've done in the last five years. I mean, it's been incredible, and I get excited because I think about with everything we've learned and with everything we know today, thinking about what we're gonna do in the future as we only get better at doing this and teaching and help people, helping people, it's gonna be, it'll be powerful. And you're a big part of that, right? Because I think you added a whole new point of view to the content, mm-hmm. you know, cause this is what you, so Megan, just to bring it full circle, <laughs> She joined my mastermind. So I had this mastermind where I was teaching people how to do what I do. By the way, I was completely miserable because it was not my passion. go
1: into this, so I had been with Bob. I was at your house like a week before the event. I don't know if you remember this. And he had showed me about this mastermind. I saw the prices, like you had showed me all this stuff. This is what I'm offering, this is what I'm gonna do. And I had, I brought 16 people. I wasn't even in network market anymore, but I brought 16 people with me to this event to see Bob. And I'm sitting there, it was Saturday afternoon, And it was, I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was this message around like, how long have you been wanting to grow and to build a brand and to do this? And like, if nothing changes, nothing's going to change. And I remember being like, I'm in, I'm Mm -hmm. in. And I didn't even, I went there knowing that I wasn't joining.
0: Yeah. And you were just coming to the event just I to bring some to, people to
1: support, yeah. um, to learn. Yep. Yeah. And, and I went home that night and like, thank God my husband is amazing and supports me. And now you two are good friends. But I said to him, I was like, I think I'm going to do this. And it wasn't a small chunk of change. Like it was a big investment. And he just looks at me and goes, put it on the Southwest card. Let's at least get some points out
0: of it. <laughs> right. So, but here we were like company number one, fail company yep. number two, fail. Company number three, you're in. Failed. <laughs> and then here we are. I'm Bob's doing a thing. He's having an event. Let me come to the I'm event. In. I'm in. And this was a much bigger investment. I mean, it was, I think it was like $20,000, 15000 yeah. for like a year where I was going to teach you how to do this. And, and that's how, that was like how we got reconnected again. Yep. And that you were, so you were kind of on your own trying to figure this out, coming up with courses. And I was helping you. And then I remember just having this idea where when we talk about our the evolution of our business, I just started to realize that if it was just me, I was limiting our Im- the impact that we could make. Mm-hmm. And I had this person that I trusted and that you know I knew was coming from the same place in terms of like the values and what we teach. And you're out there trying to do it on your own. And I remember just saying, hey, you know, what if you do it with us? You know what if you literally work for our company? and we'll create an opportunity for you to do the coaching and the training the way that you wanna do it, teaching our stuff. And I was like, that's a no brainer, right? Cause it's like now you don't just get me, you get Megan. And you know, a lot of you don't know Megan, but when you work with Megan, you get how important that is. And and that was like, I remember having lunch with you and I just kind of threw it out there. I'm like, you know, what do you think?
1: I'm like, are you you serious? (laughs) Really? Are you serious? Because when you're trying to build something like this on your own, like it's hard. It's lonely. I had no clue what I was doing. And I had quit my corporate job to go full in with this. So I really wasn't making money. I was like hustling and trying. And it was frustrating. And it's like, it just made sense. But let me ask you this. So up until that point, it had all been Bob is the face of LLA, it's all you, and then I come in. Was that a hard transition for you, and what was that like for you?
0: Yeah, it was um, It was a difficult decision, and I'll tell you the conversation that was happening in my mind. I think this is a perfect example of when we talk about what's that story that you're telling yourself. Is it one that's based in fear and scarcity? Is it a red light story where you're imagining everything that could go wrong? Or are you choosing to imagine the good that could come of it? And where I struggled with it for a while was, number one, am I going to put someone else in a position to do what I do and maybe have them not be as good as me? And then is that going to harm my business? But the other side of it was, and as much as I didn't really believe this, but it was a thought— Am I gonna put Megan in a position where she now gets all this spotlight and she decides at some point she wants to leave and and, and that's gonna harm my business? Okay. That was part of the conversation. Yeah. But both of them are really we're bred in scarcity. Like it's really just letting go. You know, I think as a, so there's been a lot of phases in my business as a solopreneur, which is what most of our students are when they start. But then it's really at some point you have to learn what it means to truly be a business owner and a leader. And the best business owners and the best leaders are they're willing to let go of control. Put other people in a position to do what they do sometimes even do it better than them. Mm. And understand that that doesn't make me make, make them less than. You know, you look at a guy like Steve Jobs who's arguably one of the most, you know, successful CEOs of all time. You know, he, I remember he said in uh, uh, in some way he goes my job is not to hire great people and tell them what to do. My job is to hire great people and tell them what I should do. Have them tell me what I should do. And I knew that I was becoming the bottleneck on the company because I was holding on too tightly. And I was a little bit of a control freak and still am (laughs) having this standard of how things should be done. And I'm like, it's not serving me anymore. It's not giving me the time freedom. It's not giving me the peace of mind. The only way I'm gonna have that vision of how I want my life to be is I have to let go. And letting go is scary. But I had to get really intentional on understanding that was what it takes. And so that was when I was like, okay, you know, for whatever happens, happens. I can't control that, but I can control the way that I go into it and how I want to approach it. And I recognized that you had a lot of talents and abilities that, you know, our company really needed. And, and that was kind of what happened is it was a leap of faith on my part. <laughs> and, you know, it took us and we're still figuring it out. Yeah. But that whole first year, I mean, you kind of felt lost, right? Because you jumped into a, you know, we have four, we have, at the time, we had four full-time team members, all virtual. Um, and so you were kind of just like the fifth wheel where like we didn't really know what your role was mm-hmm. and you were kind of there and you had a, you kind of had an opinion sometimes, but you didn't want to step on people's toes. Totally. and it I mean, it literally took us a year just to have you even feel like you were, yes. you know. Yeah.
1: So, from my perspective, what it was like, I jumped in and I was super excited and I started coaching right away and doing some stuff. And then, what was hard for me was people started referring to me. And you even said it a couple of times is, oh, it's the female Bob. It's the female Bob. And that messed with my head because I thought I was supposed to be this person because you're so good at what you do. (laughs) Like you could talk for three hours without an um or an ah, and always drive these points home. And I was like, that's not me. Like the part that makes me connect with people is that, hey, I mess up and things aren't always right. But I felt I had to be this female Bob figure. And it wasn't until I realized that, I mean, that's the highest compliment, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't until I realized, which probably took me about a year to find my space in that was, it was about finding who Megan is in the legacy leadership, in the Love Serve Grow framework. And I think why this year has been so dynamic is because we work so well together as a team to create the content, but also like, I've come into my own. You do your thing, and we have the same message. We have the same vision, but sometimes it just comes from a different perspective. And I think that's what drives the the point home so well and the coaching, and why people have so many breakthroughs is they're hearing it from two different perspectives.
0: Yeah, I've learned over the last year that the more I can put you in a position to do more, it just helps me in the long term. But so, <laughs> but sometimes, but you know, in, just in terms of like helping you grow. Yeah. But sometimes that's scary because I, you know, I may have you do something. That I know that I've always done, and I know I have a certain way I like it done. And if I have you do it, that might not be the way that I have done it in the past. But recognizing that just because it's different, it doesn't mean that it's less than, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Or that it won't be effective. So it's like slowly but surely, I've learned to, to give up more so that you could have more that you could step into. So you grow more and you feel more confident and you take more ownership of. The business, And that's been, a you know, that's still something in, in terms of being a, you know, what's interesting is we're always trying to practice what we preach and I teach leadership every day. But if I'm honest, I still have a long way to go as a leader. <laughs> and it's like every day I'm trying to listen to what I'm telling other people and asking myself, am I practicing this? And I know there's been plenty of times where I've fallen short in those areas. And, but I'm always the first to admit it that I, you know, hey, I could have led better in that area. And I think that humility is what really gives us the ability to grow and become better in the future.
1: I think that's one thing that works with our team too, is that we all now at this place feel comfortable about calling each other out and not even like in a bad way, just saying, hey, did you have this done yet? Where's this at? Are you good? So I think that's been really powerful. And I remember last year you asked me, my first mission to write, it was like June or July to write a mission. And I literally like spent a month, like I was so (laughs) nervous to do this and I wanted to have it perfect. And I felt like when I sent it to you, like I was turning in like a final exam paper, like did I pass the class? Like, am I going to be allowed to stay? (laughs) And it's evolved over time, but it was, I I felt this because you have this like big brother role in my life. And it's just like, I wanted to impress you and I wanted you to be proud and I wanted to like, but then I realized like, if I'm just being me and I show up the best me, that's when I deliver my best stuff.
0: Yeah, it's just, I think it's being able to, uh, you know, we always talk about, cause there's such a trap to wanna be perfect in what we do, right? Yeah. Like overanalyze the trainings and the missions and- <laughs> And it's like, it becomes a big bottleneck on the business. And you and I always talk about that. You know, we buy into that B minus work changes lives, right?
1: That was a big shift. You came up with that one last year because you, would you you say one of your red light stories is a perfectionist?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Things having to be perfect. And I remember I heard Brooke Castillo say that B minus work changes lives. And I'm like, wow, that's good. I'm like, Like I I needed to hear that. So like, I'm like, I said to Megan, I said, hey. Let's start shooting for B minus work, right? Let's increase our output. And in doing that, let's, you know, because that ultimately will help us make a difference in more people's lives. But also for you, it's it's just knowing that it's being able to see inside of yourself what I saw or, you know, we, we can never, we we find it hard to recognize within ourselves, which it's so clear for other people mm-hmm. to see. So, yeah, so Megan, I mean, Megan today, I mean, she writes a lot of our missions and our trainings and, you know, a lot of, uh, she does 85% of our coaching now in the community. And so what that's given me the ability to do is focus on the the handful of things that only I am able to Mm do, you know, podcasts. YouTube video, like being on camera. Like I, I mean, the entire year of 2020, (laughs) we literally were just, I was sitting at my computer writing trainings, like I wasn't doing this. Right. And I think our business, the reason why we're going to, we're going to have our best year ever by far this year is because I'm doing more of what I only can do. And I've learned how to let go and delegate the other stuff to you and, you know, Kelly and Sarah and Whitney of all stepped up their games. And it's like, I think we're just finally, you know, it's taken us six years to actually be some semblance of like a real company. That's not like, cha- uh, you know, like chasing its tail, running like, around. Understanding like, our
1: numbers, right, what are like, goals, like that yeah. big stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like we literally, this is the first year we've ever had like a real sales plan for promotions and stuff. And so like, we're all, we're always figuring it out. And You know, but I think, uh, you know, it's just an interesting place to be, so.
1: Okay, so one last question before we get into a fun closer that I have here. So what do you see as the vision for the future? For LLA, for Next Level Leadership, for Bob Heilig, what's the vision for you?
0: Yeah, the vision has changed. I think you and I talk about this a lot. When we shifted the message to Love Serve Grow, and we got really clear on the number one problem that we help people solve, you know, we thought for a while it was systems. We thought it was leadership. Those things are still important parts of what we do, but without a doubt, and this is this was very clear. The last challenge we did, the number one problem we saw was helping people believe in themselves. And I would argue there's not a, there's not a more important thing in the world that needs to be done than teaching people how to believe in themselves. And I think we are uniquely qualified to do that based off of what we've created and what we do. And what was really cool was, I, I shared this on the team call, but I'll share this now. So, we just did this five day challenge a couple of weeks ago. And it was like from a content and a student results perspective, it was the best thing. Like it, cause we really just concentrated on that belief piece. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, our social media manager, sent me a Voxer. It was really cool. She said, I just have to say, like, I've never been more proud
1: mm-hmm.
0: of working for this company. And my job and our future, because I see the difference we're making in other people's lives. And when we talk about like the amount of success stories we've had, it's because we're really clear on what people need first and foremost. So when I think of my vision of how we can make an impact in the world, it's uniquely centered around love, serve, grow, but really helping people build that belief in themselves that they need. And my, you know, my, like my mission, my vision is. You know, I want to positively impact the lives of 100 million people around the Mm -hmm. world using Love Serve Grow, teaching, creating a new wave of leaders that we call legacy leaders that have gone through this Love Serve Grow framework that have truly embraced it and applied it to their business and their life so that we can use the vehicle of network marketing to change the world through the power of love. I think there's no better vehicle in the world is to help somebody become a leader that can make a difference in the world so for like for me right now everything like even this video that we're filming right now like the implications of this are so much greater to me I'm so present on every single thing we do every word we say every message we put out into the world that there's such a more important reason why we do what we do today Mm -hmm. and I think that deeper purpose is starting to permeate through everything we do. And that's why people are coming to us in a way that they never have before. And
1: that's, I'm so excited to be a part of it, to just really see how it's evolving. And I think we finally may have found the thing that we are supposed to do together.
0: I, listen, (laughs) for my my own, you know, mental health sake, I really hope that's true because I'd like to think I'd have it in me again to do it, but I I hope that it doesn't ever come to that. I think think we
1: found it. Yeah, yeah. So good. This has been awesome, but I want to take it one more step so and have a little fun. So, we're going to get out of the network marketing talk. We're not going to talk love, serve, grow. We're going to get to know Bob a little differently. So, I came up with, um, I think it's like 15 rapid fire questions here.
0: So, now's when the real hot seat stuff starts. Just
1: to have a little fun here. Okay. okay. What's your favorite childhood TV show?
0: Gillian's Island. It's <laughs> the first one that comes to mind. Yes, what- I, yes, I'm old. Okay. I get it. Whatever. <laughs>
1: What do you do in your free time?
0: Now play golf. Yeah,
1: I knew that one. What's the first concert you ever went to? Oh gosh, <laughs>
0: Big Daddy Kane. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was very much into rap in high school. So I went to a Big Daddy Kane show. Okay, yeah. so then
1: that I, obviously I know Bob a little bit. So this flows right into it. What's better, East Coast or West Coast oh, rap? East
0: Coast, not even, not even close. It's not even a question.
1: What's one thing about you that surprises people? Or maybe that was just it.
0: Well, but people don't know that I, I really am of introvert. Like I really am very like naturally keep to myself. I mean, I'll even, there'll be certain social social situations still where I'll just kind of like really be to myself. And sometimes uh, Shannon, my wife will get a little annoyed with me sometimes cause I just, sometimes I just don't feel it and I can turn it on and and, and it's not fake, like it's real. But it it is, you know, it is something I have to be intentional about. So that, I would say the other thing that people don't know about me that I, you know, probably am not all that free to admit because I'll say it is that we're like, my wife and I are like Bravo TV junkies. <laughs> so we literally like, if there's a reality show on Bravo, we watch it and we love it. And that's, people don't know that.
1: Okay. So this wasn't one of my questions, but because I know this about you. So which housewives city or like New which York, ones
0: are- New York, yeah, New York. <laughs> especially last season, because the cast one cause them, the cast so was a total mess. So <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: That's what makes you tune in. Yes. Okay, best vacation you've ever taken? I think I
0: know this one too. Uh, well, so I, I'll say two things. One, my favorite place I've ever been is Iceland, which is like just an incredible place to see. Best vacation I ever took was the first one I took with Shannon. We went to, uh, so we our friends, Mark in Georgia, who you know, they got married in Rome and we went to Rome. For Paris, and then we ended in Positano on the co- on, on the Amalfi Coast, which was like just absolutely well, unreal. Well, let's,
1: let's get real here. Didn't you like rent a boat or a yacht? Yeah, the last day we were
0: there. <laughs> I mean, I was. I mean, look, I was. We were. We were very much in the courting phase. So, are um, oh, you still
1: trying to impress her at yeah, that point? Yes, we're gonna run a yacht. Yeah,
0: yes. No. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. No. No more yachts. But yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, first celebrity crush.
0: Nicole Eggert from Baywatch. Oh. <laughs> Yes. But most of our listeners are like, what is he talking about? Like, I, we knew Bob was older, but now we're realizing he's really old.
1: So, like my
0: mom watched Baywatch and <laughs> yeah.
1: Gilligan's Island was yeah. It? Yeah. Okay. Best compliment you've ever received.
0: Uh, so the, uh, one comes to mind, this okay. one comes to mind recently and it's a weird one, but how good of a listener I am.
1: Oh, that is a good one.
0: So we were, Shannon and I were, um, you know, we just bought a house and we were looking at, a, we were looking at houses forever. And our realtor, who's a good friend of ours now, invited an architect because we were looking at a house that we were going to have to redo. And um, I'm not even, no, I'm not, I'm just me. I'm not conscious of this. But um, he made a comment to our realtor afterwards, how impressive, how good of a listener he thought I was. It seems like a weird compliment, but to me, it's not even something I think about. But I think it's, that to me, I take as a great compliment because listening is something that is only something that you're really focused on if you really intently are caring about someone else. And, like, you know, so, like, for me, I think one of the things that I realized early in my career is that leaders are great listeners, like active listeners. I thought for a while I wanted to be a great talker. Mm-hmm. And I focused, I learned at some point that I need to focus less on being a great talker because that's really about me. And I need to learn how to make it more about other people and be a great listener. And I, I think I've been a great listener most of my career. And if anybody, you know, if I'm at a live event and I'm talking to somebody like they are the most important person at that moment to Mm -hmm. me. And that's truly like the way that I feel. And and even if it's just, just to to say hello and, and, and give people a chance to thank them for supporting us. So, yeah, I mean, that's,
1: I get that one. That's That's a great compliment. Okay. What's the first career you dreamed of having when you were a kid?
0: I wanted to be a professional basketball player
1: because I was—I
0: played basketball in college and um, not very well, but I did. And uh, so, yeah, I wanted to be a professional basketball. Yeah.
1: All right. What are you most scared of?
0: I'm still most scared of heights. <laughs> like I'll never go on a roller coaster, by the way. My wife is dead set. She's like, so you're telling me that if our little boy stares up at you and says, daddy, will you go on the roller coaster? You're not going to go. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. I'm like, I will hold your purse on the ground and wave to you when you're, I am not, I will never go on a roller coaster. I have no desire ever. Okay. So
1: for everybody listening, do you feel this is a red light story? It's not a red light story.
0: It's just that. (laughs) Can
1: you rewrite the circumstance? Yeah. son. I mean, (laughs) I guess it is a red
0: light story, but it's not something that I want. So like, you know, most people are creating red light stories around things they actually want. I don't want it. So I'll, I'm happy with my red light story. I don't, I'll hold on to it. I don't care.
1: (laughs) Advice you wish someone gave you five years ago.
0: Success is a matter of being not doing Mm. right. I mean, that's, that's the big misconception is everybody thinks that if you just work hard enough or take enough action, you'll be successful. That plan doesn't work out too well for me. It didn't work out well for me. Get intentional on who you want to be. What do you want to believe about yourself and have that be the starting point of what you do? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what we teach people now. Yeah. I didn't, if I would have known that earlier in my journey, it would, It my, it, my journey would look much different, but I'm, I don't, I'm not regretful because my journey made Led me who here. I am. Yeah. yeah.
1: What's something you wish you were really good at? Golf. <laughs> Cause I'm
0: <laughs> like, I play golf a lot, but I'm, I'm horrible and it drives me crazy. So I wish I was better at golf. (laughs) And if we have any golfers out there, they totally get it. So oh,
1: that's funny. I live on a golf course, so I see it all the time. People are out there. It could be snowing (laughs) and thirty degrees, and there's still people out there trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah, but you know, on a on a more like serious note, being a parent, being a better parent is something. You know, I still, you know, I love my kids, and but I I see my control issues flaring up. You know, when they're not acting the way I think they need to. So me, and it's not a matter of wishing, it's just being intentional. Like one of the areas that I'm focused on in my life is how do I apply what I know and what I teach other people? How do I apply that to the circumstance of being a parent? Because that's the most challenging circumstance in both of Shannon and my life right now.
1: Well, I what I realized the other day after I told you kind of an incident that happened in my household this weekend, I realized it's, we, we as parents, we're supposed to be teaching our kids But really it's, they're teaching us, like I'm learning so much about myself and how I do things just from being a parent. Yeah,
0: so 100%.
1: Okay, if you were a superhero, what would your powers be?
0: Definitely flying, Superman, flying, (laughs) yeah.
1: Oh, I had it on here, Favorite Guilty Pleasure TV show. I did have it on my list.
0: Well, so I'll just give you our current top three in no particular order is our Summer House, Southern Charm, (laughs) and Vanderpump Rules. (laughs) for sure. I mean that's that's the trifecta right there really. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, your audience has learned a lot more about you right now. Okay, so the last question here is what, what one item could you not live without?
0: I would definitely say my this is going to make me feel really old.
1: <laughs> Worse than Gilligan's Island. My
0: uh, my reading glasses.
1: <laughs> Cuz books books
0: are uh, Books are a very important part of my life in terms of learning and becoming better. And I have to be honest, I, you know, I need the assistance of uh, readers now. So that's uh, that's so
1: fun. I've lost too, but I, I yeah, get that I mean, one, but that's not what I expected you to yeah, say.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's not my real answer, but I don't know. That's just what I thought of. So, yeah.
1: Well, good. Well, hey, I appreciate this so much. And I hope everybody listening just now understands how much Bob's put into this. And here's something that I want to close out and I want to say is that from knowing Bob from 20 years, he is the same exact person, maybe has a little bit more money in his bank account and a beautiful wife and kids now, but your passion, your vision, your heart has never wavered from the first time that I met you until now. And it's so exciting for me to be able to see you in the space that you're in, but also, like I said in the beginning of this, of knowing like it's kind of just getting started, like it's really just starting to grow. So to see where this ends up in the future is really, really exciting.
0: I appreciate that. It's cool. It's it's you know it's been six years and um it's been a long six years, but it went by so fast. And I think what's crazy for me to even think is what you're saying is true. I mean, we really haven't even started yet. I mean, we've only been really teaching. This thing called Love Serve Grow for six months. Mm-hmm. The formula as it exists today just started in January, and the reality—this is the thing that that definitely drives me—you know—to do Clubhouses every day and YouTube and podcasts. The vast majority of the people that do what we that do this don't even know who we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the people in the world that do this kind of thing have never heard of us. That to me is what drives me every day is to know that there's someone out there that's struggling, just like we did in our business, that wants it, that's working hard, but they don't know what they need to do. And they don't know that there is a plan out there. It's some, something we teach called Love, Serve, Grow. I mean, that's since we started doing clubhouses, we hear this all the time where we're reaching a new audience. And the number one thing I hear is, how could I have never heard of you before? <laughs> like, I don't, I can't believe i never heard of you before. And then the next thing that I hear is my team needs love, serve, grow, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that there's so many people out there that I know need what we have and now that our job is to get this in front of them and and that's where the real work is just like in the, in all of your businesses like you know you have something that can change people's lives your biggest challenge is just getting people number one to see it and then to believe it and but that to me if you're focused more on the deeper meaning and purpose behind what we do that's that's the challenge that you're willing to embrace so so it's going to be, it'll be exciting to see where things progress from here.
1: Yeah. And I think the, the year we were just in as well, that so many people just attach on to the love serve grow, like really with love, like they just want to come from this good, honest place. And for so long, people have been taught it's about sales and it's about numbers and go and push and to have a fresh perspective on that and say, you can still have success, but enjoy it so much more and from a completely different space if you adapt this mentality. So yeah, that's what's. That's what's exciting about it. And I'm so excited to be part of the journey.
0: Yeah. So, so listen, here's what I want all of you to do. Let us know, like, if you enjoyed this, you know, I mean, we like admittedly, so Megan and I, we went, we came into this. She's like, I kind of have like questions, but I'm not like, and I'm like, let's just do it. Like, yeah, let's like, just God, do I don't it. I you
1: know because I wanted to be a good we'll, conversation.
0: You know, so, hey, listen, we'd love to hear from you. If you're watching on YouTube, drop a comment, let us know if this was valuable to you. And if you're listening on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you on Instagram Shoot me a message let me know maybe we can do some future episodes like this where yeah, you can this
1: is fun. Megan
0: can ask some of our user submitted questions or something like that but uh, either way Meg thanks for being here yeah, and of course. Uh, and thanks for <laughs> thanks for watching and listening everybody so take care